Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. Anyone who has taken on the responsibility of caring for an elderly adult, a parent, grandparent, relative, or friend knows that there can be big challenges. They might be looking after a person with diminished cognitive function, depression, or even resistance to receiving care. This is sometimes tough, and it's a demanding everyday job, meaning that caregiver burnout is real, and sometimes it's the caregiver who needs care. Here to tell us more is Dr. George Hanawi, Medical Director of the Center for Successful Aging at MedStar Good Samaritan Hospital in Baltimore. I'm your host, Mike Shu. Welcome to Doc Talk, and Dr. Hanawi, welcome to you. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. Um, we are glad you are here. Now, how can you define caregiving or what is it? Yeah, caregiving, and I want to differentiate between two aspects of caregiving. One of them is the formal caregiving, which is um, getting somebody to support you. It's a paid service. But the informal caregiving that what I'm assuming is the topic of our discussion is providing care and support to meet the needs of a loved one. Uh, it can be a daughter providing support to her mom or dad, it could be a son uh, doing something similar to mom or dad, or it could be vice versa, a mother providing support to a disabled son or daughter or child. So um, it's uh, literally the ability to be there to cover that gap in the needs for those loved ones that are not able to do it. So it doesn't necessarily mean just age-related issues. It's It's someone who's helping another person in their journey. Yeah, it could be related to disability, but it also the major caregiving task that I commonly see these days is related to cognitive problems with dementia, where the son or the daughter or the niece or the nephew assume the, the support and the care of an older adult that is experiencing a dementing illness and they're not able to do for themselves, but it could be also for somebody that is physically disabled or emotionally challenged because of depression or anxiety. All of those aspects can be the aspects of caregiving. So at, at the center, how does the caregiver factor in when they're not the patient? You know, our caregivers are our lifeline. Um, this is how we look at it. Um, it's the way we're going to be able to keep our older adults safe and protected at home and allow them to live at home. So they're our lifeline. And if we don't address the needs of our caregivers, we're literally missing the point. And the way it is assessed is through our great social work team. Uh, they're the heart of what we do at the Center for Successful Aging. Every older adult that comes with their caregiver, the caregiver will meet with our social work team and they will go through a full assessment to address their burnout, their needs. What can we support you with? What are you experiencing? How can we walk this journey with you and support you, educate you, and wrap our arms around you? Because it's sadly, it's sometimes a long and challenging journey because it is taxing. So the caregiver can then make a, a contact or relationship with the social worker and the caregiver can have a direct sort of relationship or call them to ask about problems with the actual patient. Absolutely. Our, our, social, our caregivers and our social workers build a, a strong relationship because as you can tell, it is outside of what I can do for our patients. 
it's not the patient that you're caring for, it's their loved ones. But that relationship is so critical and we have an open access. So if you're not feeling well, if you're stressed, if you're struggling with this, you have an open access to communicate with our uh, social workers. And they are so skilled in figuring out ways to support the caregivers. Uh, And if they're not able to support them, they know and are connected to resources that can provide that support too. So our relationship is not only with the patient, is with their caregivers, actually with the rest of their family too. Well, that's fascinating to me that then sort of the, 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 the HIPAA concerns about privacy and everything like that, that, that the center obviously figured out how to work within those rules so the patient is helped, the caregiver is helped, and the medical system is getting the information they need to complete the circle yet again. Yeah, one of the first things that we establish during our first or second visit is who do you want us to communicate with? Who is that trusted person that you want us to be connected to and um, if you're not able to answer us or if you're not able to come up with an answer, who is that person? And we listed um, in our electronic medical records. So if they they call, we know who they are. We know that they're the trusted people. I have to admit to you that if you're not listed there, we are not allowed to give you any um, answers or information because it, it won't be HIPAA compliant. But um, we have learned in a good way to address that from the beginning and make sure that we're um, meeting the needs that mm-hmm. we're asked to, to meet and addressing it with the right people. So the caregivers, they are benefiting the patients. So, um, you know, when it comes to insurance, if there are any charges, something it goes, it's the patient who is taking care of that. It's going, you know, what? It, I, let's say I'm a caregiver and I call the office to say, this person who I'm allowed to talk to is having this problem. It's not like the caregiver is insurance or anything of that is billed for that service. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you, your insurance, your medical issues, none of that is involved. Um, this is a service that we're providing to the patient that established with us. Part of that service is our ability to connect them with our social workers and for caregivers and loved ones to connect with us. Mm-hmm. It's not, we, we don't ask for your insurance. You don't establish with us. Uh, we're here to support you, and it's not something we charge you for. So let's say a caregiver is having some problem. Maybe they're burned out or they need to talk to someone or something, and it, it, it really is a caregiver issue more than a patient issue. What, what, what do you offer the caregiver to try to get them through that tough time? Yeah, I think it starts with a thorough assessment by our social work team because, you know, um, caregivers go through a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, you have to figure out what is the, what is the burning point here. And it could be physical stress. You know, they're exhausted because they're not sleeping because grandpa um, is waking up at night and confused and they have to stay up with them and then they have to go to work. It could be that they're emotionally drained. You know what, I'm doing this and I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm not taking any time for myself and I'm just at, at the end of the rope. It could be that they're financially drained. And it could be that they just need a breather or somebody to talk to. That assessment will figure out where is that point that we need to address. And based on that, we connect them with the right recommendation or the right resource. And what I mean by that specifically, um, for somebody that has been with mom or dad 
24-7 because mom is cognitively challenged and they're not going out, we figure out ways to get some support in the home so they can take an hour or two for themselves and just focus on their wellness, focus on seeing their doctor, focus on getting out there and doing something for themselves. The, the caregiver-patient relationship becomes so um, complicated that separating them becomes a challenge sometimes. So there's guilt, there are challenges related to that. In our role is to figure out a healthy way for this to continue on the long run. And it starts with that comprehensive assessment that I shared with you. I think with this, you're, you're recommending th- certain things to a patient to do. And it's nice to have the caregiver be the backstop to reinforce what you're saying. But I would imagine you might have some patients who are a little bit resistant to change. Oh, share with me, what do you tell the caregiver and the patient in terms of trying to get the patient to, to, to move in a healthier path? You know, independence is a big deal for so many of us, and uh, the ability to maintain that authority is critical for so many older adults and so many of us as we age. And that makes it a little bit more challenging, to your point. Uh, people feel that, you know, the decision-making is taken away from me, or my ability to decide for myself is taken away from me. And I can give you an example of a demented older adult, for example. They're hesitant to bathe. They're very defiant when it comes to sleeping at the right time um, because their day and night is, you know, mixed up. Uh, They don't want to come to the doctor. They don't want to change their clothes. How do you manage that? How can the caregiver manage that? That's what we work with them on. We work with them on so many techniques, including, for example, a technique called reorientation. So um, when they wake up in the middle of the night and they're confused about the day and night, we work with the caregiver on figuring out ways to tell them, no, no, this is, you know, this is your home. Uh, you're okay. You're safe. It is two o'clock. Let's, let's get, let's grab something to eat and get back to bed. Sometimes an older adult can experience with, with a dementing illness can experience a behavioral problem where they become agitated or, or something like that. We work with them on what's called de-escalation technique and not arguing technique where You don't go against what the older adult is saying and you just kind of raise the red flag. You actually try to de-escalate the situation. And doing that will allow them to get into a safe and calm environment where they can bring them to see us, but at the same time, they can manage them better at home. I think what you described as sundowning. Is that it? Yeah, so, some of it is the sundowning. Yeah, and that has to be really tough for a caregiver because all they want to do is get some sleep because they have to get up and go to work in the morning. I mentioned it's, that kind of stress must build. Yeah, so I shared with you the sleep disturbance, which happens at night, but the sundowning is a phenomenon that happens around five or six o'clock. We don't know what causes it, but we think it is related to the change in lights. So between night and day, the brain, if the older adult has a cognitive problem, does not know how to translate that. And what happens is they become confused, agitated, sometimes violent. Uh, they walk out of the house, they, they have hallucinations. And as I mentioned to you, it is so critical for us to work with the caregivers on understanding that this is not because dad is is mean or aggressive. It's just because of the illness. And we work with them on techniques to de-escalate till that period of time passes. And it does pass uh, and it settles down. But just we need some kind of skills to be able to manage it without escalating to sending an older one to the emergency room or ending up hurt because that we couldn't uh calm things down. You have great anecdotes about your practice. I mean, do you have any about your team has been able to alleviate any caregiver stress that they came back and said, wow, that 
that really helped me through that time. Yeah, um, I shared with you some strategies about the the de-escalation, for example. And I'll share with you a story. We we had a person in their sixties bringing their loved ones who were there who's in their nineties, and they had dementia. And their biggest concern was that loved one goes through sundowning and they become really confused. They start saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. They're at home. I want to see my mother. Well, mom died 20 years ago. And the, the caregiver was so stressed out because they felt that their you know, loved one is suffering, number one. And number two, whenever that comes to fruition, the caregiver will just escalate. No, dad, you're home. You're home. Grandma has been dead for 20 years. What's wrong with you? Settle down. And then it escalates to somewhere around like somebody hurting the others. And it was so taxing for that caregiver that she wasn't sleeping at night because after that escalation, she goes to bed and she's feeling so much guilt. You know, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to my dad? I think the biggest strategy that we worked with that specific um, caregiver was number one, understanding what the disease is all about. And one more time, dad is not doing this because he means to irritate you or because he, he, he is a, a bad person. It's just the illness. It's the disease. That's the first part. But the second part is that de-escalation that I shared with you. We taught her rather than saying, Dad, you're at home and grandma has passed. We taught her to say, oh, oh maybe she will come back in a few minutes. Let's, let's go grab a bite to eat and then we'll think about it. That distracted the older adult, did not escalate the situation, got us into a better place. And eventually we got the young 60-year-old lady to sleep because she felt, well, I'm not defying and going against my dad and I'm not thinking bad about what I'm doing and he's doing. These are simple things that it can be done. And I have to admit to you, it's easier said than done because um, the, the caregivers do an unbelievable job. And this is just a small portion of how we can support them. There's many other um, ways that we can do better and we will continue to try. Great techniques. sounds like there's a, you see a lot of love in the practice during the day. Yeah. Um, I think one of the key things that we tell all of us in the practice, you have to treat everybody that walks into this place like you treat your family. If you don't treat them like you treat your family, your grandmother, you don't belong in geriatrics. You're much better off somewhere else. Well, I hate to put it this way, but that's the reality of what we do. Better learn quick. Yep. That's fantastic. So uh, where can our listeners uh, learn more about the Center for Successful Aging? If you would like to learn more about the Center for Successful Aging, please call 443-444-4720 to access the Center for Successful Aging on the ground of MedStar Good Samaritan Hospital here in Baltimore. But if you live uh, closer to our center at MedStar Montgomery Medical Center, uh, in Montgomery County, and only specifically, the number is 301-570-7400. And please don't hesitate to call even for advice. Well, thanks for the time here and also for the work you're doing. It sounds like you're actually changing a lot of lives. We're trying to do our best. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Good. Thank you. It's also a great time to say thanks to all the caregivers who are helping uh, you work, whether paid or volunteer, your obligation as a family member. It is very kind what you're doing. So thank you. We've been talking with Dr. George Hanawi. Doctor, thank you for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. All right. So to repeat for appointments or information, call 443-444-4720. 
at MedStar Good Samaritan or the MedStar Montgomery County Medical Center is closer. That number is 310-570-7400. Of course, you can also go online to find out more. It's an easy to remember address, medstarhealth.org.